Welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs show, a safe place for women to heal and grow, where we discover our value, share our tears as we go through the hard times and rise up as we become empowered to meet our challenges head on. As I just pass a major milestone for the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast of just over 100 episodes, I've been really fortunate to be able to interview a woman of great influence, the right and honourable Christine Cousins, Australian politician, member of the Victorian Legislative Assembly, representing the seat of Geelong. Now, Christine has a huge heart for women who've been impacted by domestic abuse and family violence. And she works tirelessly to bring about reforms to policy and programs to improve things for women, to give them every possible opportunity to break free from abusive relationships, transition to secure housing, and to find their feet again through education, training, and employment pathways. Now, she shares some absolutely fantastic links for women in Victoria to tap into for funding and training opportunities that um, I've included these in the episode notes. So please jump onto those if that's going to help you. And we may often think that reaching a member of parliament or government is impossible. It's just out of our reach. They often seem unattainable. So why bother trying? But this couldn't be further from the truth when it comes to Christine Cousins. She is so down to earth and she was very, very happy to chat with me about the important issues that women are affected by and impacted by with domestic abuse and family violence. I really hope that this interview encourages you to reach out to your local member of parliament for support, even if it's to ask them if they know of any grants that you might be eligible for through government to help you to get back up on your feet again. Okay, let's open the door on today's episode. Just a caution, if you feel unsafe at any time, please stop listening. You can come back anytime you are in a safe place to listen to the rest of the podcast. Your safety is the most important thing to consider. Hello, Christine, and a very warm welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast. Thanks so much for being a guest on the podcast today. I just wanted to get the conversation started with just asking you, in your experience as a Member of Parliament, I know that you've had many conversations with women who've been through some form of abuse, and I know that you advocate for more to be done through policy changes and government grants to help support the complex needs of these women. So with this in mind, what would you say are the most common problems that you see that women need help with when they are impacted by abusive relationships? Yeah, look, thanks very much for having me on. And can I firstly begin by acknowledging the original owners of the land, the Wadawang people, and pay my respects to ancestors past, present and future, um, and thank them for their care of our land and waterways, and acknowledge any Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people who will be listening to this podcast. Um, thank you so much for the opportunity to have this conversation. It is a really important one. And, you know, as a member of parliament, I'm very, I'm very aware of the issues that impact on women and children through family violence. Um, I think one of the, the proudest um, things that has occurred in my term as a member of parliament was certainly the Royal Commission into Family Violence. Um, you know, we, we saw it got to a point of basically no return. I mean, nothing was happening really. Um, and we still have a very long way to go. But that Royal Commission highlighted 227 recommendations. And it not only heard from the experts, but women themselves and children who were impacted by family violence. 
And that's what's really important about that whole Royal Commission and the outcomes and the, the recommendations. It really focused on what worked and what didn't. And there was a lot that wasn't working. So I think those 227 recommendations were all accepted by the state government. Um, and since then, we have been rolling them out over a period of time. And I think one of the really interesting ones was the orange doors. Um, we have one in Geelong, which is fantastic. Um, and I was only there the other day and talking to those amazing workers there that, you know, do such an incredible job in our community. Um, and they are spread out over the state. But um, for me, Geelong um, was one of the first ones to kick off. Um, and there's been lots of learnings in that. So this was something that had never been done before. Um, so there were lots of learnings, lots of things to change and um, lots of conversations with women who um, had experienced family violence or were experiencing family violence. So that's, you know, been an incredible um, resource for our community. Can you I think, just, can I interrupt for one yes. second, Chris, and just ask you to give a bit more information about the Orange Door and the work that the Orange Door or the purpose of yep. the Orange Door so that maybe anyone who doesn't know about the Orange Door has a context of what the Orange Door is for, who it's for, mm. and what it can accomplish. Yeah, um, the recommendation came because a lot of women reported that often they couldn't find the support and resources they needed, um, you know, whether it was just having a conversation about leaving the family home or they'd left and didn't know where to go, what supports they needed. So the Orange Door was established so you could walk in off the street so it's in Murrable Street in Geelong, the, the one here. And for those um, listening who are not from the Geelong region, go on the, the um, uh, Family Violence website. You know, there's a list of the, I think it's about 10 across the state in different areas. So what it does, it, it enables women to just walk in off the street and get the support they need immediately. So there aren't delays. You know, there's a, a vast range of um, workers there, all, you know, focused on different areas, um, support for children. But there's also um, one of the firsts in, in this country was that um, connecting up, um, particularly in relation to the perpetrator, um, where, you know, police records and other, um, you know, child protection, all those different areas were all linked together so there was a tracking of what was happening um, by the perpetrator, but also to keep women safe. So it, it's been fantastic. There are thousands of women that are using that facility, um, but knowing that they can walk in off the street, they can be referred and, you know, you don't have to walk in off the street, but the fact that it's there, there is um, security there when you walk in, so, you know, you're very safe once you get in that door. Um, so that that was a big thing for women during the Royal Commission. They actually said we need somewhere where we know we can go and walk in off the street and not be on the phone or on um, email trying to find out what we can do and how we can do it. So the resources there are extensive. Um, and as I said, that those workers are playing an amazing role um, supporting those women. Yeah, it's a fantastic change mm. in the system. And, you know, I was thinking a couple of things sprang to mind. One of them was um, it that you don't need to into a police station, which is a really daunting thing for a victim of domestic violence to think about even you know walking through that door of a police station yes. often there's stalking involved you know mm -hmm. they, and it's just so hard to go anywhere where there's you know it's a formal place that will yeah. be a trigger for them in their situation, mm. it's great having a actual physical place that they can go to, which doesn't have that association of having, you know, the authorities involved. 
um, and it's more discreet. And I think that's, that's right. you know, that's absolutely what's needed. I think maybe a next step, you know, could be that there are more of these um, orange doors in shopping centres so mm. that, you know, that it becomes even more excusable or discreet or it can go under the radar a lot more you know a lot easier Mm. for women to because everybody needs to shop so if you're at the shopping center then you know the alarm bells are not going off that you might be doing something to become empowered again and get some support and some help with your situation so yeah it's it's really good and I know that um these changes that have come about from that Royal Commission, I was one of those people who actually made a submission to the Royal Commission, um, which was to see tracking devices used used with recidivist offenders Mm -hmm. um, to help give victims more of a warning of that there might be impending danger for them. So that because at as it stands at the moment, and I won't go into this too much because I don't want this to be the focus of the conversation today, but as it stands at the moment, victims are left very vulnerable um, where they're waiting for um, for a hearing to happen in court and they could be waiting months and months and months and being left very vulnerable in the meantime um, while the perpetrator is still at large in the community moving about quite freely and um, as you and I know as good as it is to have that legal covering of an intervention order that doesn't always work as a prevention measure to stop um, perpetrators from offending or breaching those orders so um so yeah so i i felt very strongly about that because Mm -hmm. of what i've been through in my own situation and so i made a submission to the royal commission i knew it was a great opportunity to have some input to say look you know these are the things that are really leaving victims vulnerable and leaving them quite disempowered to be able to move forward in their lives because their freedoms have been taken away while the perpetrator has still got all the power you know Mm -hmm. over them even if it is just that perceived fear of what may happen you know that can play a huge role in holding a person back and keeping them you know from moving about freely in the community and re-engaging in life fully again so yeah exactly and you know it's it was interesting during the the period that those submissions were being put to the royal commission i had a lot of contact with women who um actually felt really grateful at and I don't know that that's the right word, but that was the expression to me, um, at the ability to be able to tell their story and the possibility of things changing so that other women don't have to go through the same experiences. So um, that was a pretty amazing experience for me as well, to be reading those emails or listening to those women on the phone um, talking about how important it was to them you know, the ability to actually say, this is what happened to me. This is the experience I had and this is what needs to change. And just going back to your comment about women walking into police stations and, you know, it's not ideal um, under those circumstances and that there are particularly vulnerable groups in the community that would never even consider walking into a police station, particularly from the Aboriginal community. You know, there is that lack of trust um, that's there. So, again, the orange door, having that capacity really changes that significantly um, and provides what you would consider a safe place for everyone, including some of the most vulnerable in our community, to actually go and get the support and assistance they need. So, um, the orange doors are remarkable. And, you know, there was a lot of um, tension in the community around, particularly in the sector, around the orange doors and whether that um, they were going to work. Um, but, you know, from our experience so far, and Geelong's now been open for, I think it's about three years, um, and it's, you know, remarkable work they're doing there. 
I think if there are any gaps with the orange door, that it is more than likely just that they don't have enough people to mm. service you know all of the the demand that yes. is out there for support for women um so you know i hope that they get more funding to be able to employ more people mm. to uh, be able to support women you know in a more timely fashion i guess because yep. i think that that is is a still a, something that is still a need is that um there's still a waiting game that women have to play a lot of the time just mm. because there is there aren't enough people to meet the demands out yeah. there. And those workforce issues are a problem right across the country, not just in Geelong. Yeah. Um, so we, we've put significant funding into um, training up new family violence workers um, and in the associated fields because we know that the workforce is, you know, the key to everything. Um, and we know there are workforce shortages. You know, there are um, vacancies at the Geelong Orange Store. There are vacancies at most of the um, family violence or sexual assault areas um, that we need to try and build up capacity. So, you know, introducing new courses, um, putting the funding in place to be able to employ new workers coming in, they're all the things that are happening right now. Um, but obviously that takes time. And you're right, you know, we need to have the workforce in place to be able to deal with the volume. Um, and we know that the um, number of women approaching family violence services grew enormously. Um, not only during the Royal, Com Royal Commission, but after as well, because they, you know, the, the word got out there more and more that, you know, there are things you can do, um, there are services. So it's there's been a massive growth. Um, and particularly during COVID, that's been difficult. So that workforce um, is under extreme pressure, but getting more and more people on board, you know, anybody out there that's thinking of a career in in this um, field, they should be looking at some of those free TAFE courses that are on offer as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a great uh, great advice to give, and I would like to see more um, survivors coming out and going into roles working in this area. Um, I understand that there's. I think it's quite. Um, a lot of people find that they can't be in working in this field for the long term. Yeah. That um, because there's uh, there'd be vicarious trauma that they've mm -hmm. uh, you know they're dealing with. Um, the peer support I really see great value in peer support. Yes. So women yeah. who have you know come out the other side and they are you know they're healed in their lives to a point but they've got the experience you know they've yes. been through it so they've got this level of empathy that mm. um, other people who haven't been through it won't necessarily have so they'll they've, they'll automatically understand yes. the complex needs that mm. women have um but they also need to be mindful to take care of their own mental health Yes. So it, it it is a very demanding area to work in, mm. um, but it's also incredibly rewarding thing to to be able to go in and help women in this area, help women and yeah. vulnerable children to navigate a path to safety, mm. so that they have a chance of picking up the pieces in their life. And oh, definitely. All and, over again. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, you're right. It is such a traumatic um, job to be in that you do need to look after yourself in those areas. And, you know, a lot of work has gone into that, again, um, through the Royal Commission recommendations. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of women end up leaving the industry because, you know, it becomes just um, too traumatic for them to continue. Um, others take a break and come back, but you know we need to understand those um, 
implications around that trauma and, and how it impacts on the work, workforce um, because I would be hearing and seeing some pretty shocking, horrific things, as we know. So, you know, uh, being able to accommodate the needs of um, family violence workers and sexual assault workers is absolutely critical. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I also really wanted to ask you, you know, you have had so much experience coming into contact with women and having women write to you and you've had many conversations. Mm. So what would you say, uh, say some of the most common problems that you see that women need help with when they're impacted by abusive mm. relationships? Yeah, look, I think secure housing is probably one of the big issues that, you know, all of our communities are facing at the moment. Um, you know, for, for some women, that could be the reason why they don't leave, yeah. um, which is really concerning. Um, so we have to build that housing stock to accommodate women who are leaving those situations. Um, so that's, that's a huge one um, that's you know, going to take time, but it's certainly a big focus that we have. Um, so there, there are very specific programs um, operating at the moment to ensure um, women escaping family violence have access to housing, but it's always challenging. Mm. I think that the next step from there, and you and I had this conversation around, you know, so you get, you get through the whole leaving um, part of it, the support, um, you know, going into housing. But then what's the next step? How do you rebuild your life having been through such trauma and sometimes for many, many years, you know, it's not just a one-off thing for a lot of women, it's very long-term abuse. And how do they get, get their lives back? And that of their children too, in many cases. So, you know, I think the discussion we had was around, well, what supports can be put in place to let women know that they can go back to education. Um, There's free TAFE now, which enable, and I've met many women who have come from family violence um, experiences who are now skilling themselves up, going into a new um, career, uh, which has been fantastic. And, you know, it, they're telling me it's turned their lives around because they now are in control of what they're doing and what they want to do, and they have a pathway um, and you know to a career that they they know that they will enjoy. So, and and it's it's um, impacts on their children as well. Seeing their you know mums happy, going you know on this career um, pathway journey, all those things it it completely changes their lives, which is just fantastic to see. But for many women, they, they don't know that that's there because when you've been through that traumatic experience, you're not necessarily thinking about your long-term um, journey. You're thinking about every day as it happens. Um, and sometimes it takes a conversation or listening to, to what's going on around you before you realise, well, hang on, I could actually do that as well. So, so looking at um, things like free TAFE and, you know, we in the, uh, the state government, we have a program now that actually supports women with capital into um, their own business. So for some women, you know, they may have a, a, a vision or a desire or wish list to go into to some sort of business. Well, they can get that support now with the capital to actually kick it off. So there, there are opportunities out there, but it's how, how do we ensure that women get that information and can make an informed decision on what options are out there for them? And, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, women um, who have had experience going into the family violence sector, you know, there are lots of different programs and um, courses now available for women that are free for, through the TAFE sector. So um, also, you know, leadership programs. We have a fantastic leadership program here in Geelong. You know, accessing those sorts of things can actually be life-changing for a lot of those women. 
So, you know, I, I would encourage women who are online today who, you know, are in that situation or, you know, they may have come a bit of a way, but there are programs there to ensure that women get access to those things that, you know, will change their lives and that of their children as well. That's fantastic. And with that in mind, I would love it if we could include some of those links. I'll pop them into yep. the episode notes. Great. And that way, anybody who's listening who's local to this area, the area mm-hmm. of Greater Geelong, that you or Victoria, yeah. um, that you'll be able to easily access these links and mm-hmm. get that information to start exploring. And that's really what it it's about is just starting to explore what might be possible for you on the other side of leaving and I can just share very very quickly that in my own experience there were some really complex issues going on where I had to change my name to try and stay hidden from my ex-partner so there was that complexity with going in but I was not ready to jump back into the workforce because I was very traumatized and still Mm. worrying about ongoing stalking. So even though I'd done a relocation, it wasn't, and this is something that many women will face, is Mm. that it's not a clean break. You know, we'd love it to be like, okay, we break away from that abusive relationship and that's the last thing we ever hear from that person. Mm. Don't have to, you know, be consumed anymore by the worries that come from that person continuing to you know come after us or to stalk us or to interfere in our lives or you know any of those things Mm. it's quite often not the case that it's just like this okay so I'm leaving that's it you're out of my life and now I can open the door on the next chapter and start recreating my new life without you in it see you later Mm -hmm. you know that'd be wonderful if it was that simple it's not often not that simple and so that that is a real consideration And, and another thing that I remember is because I was in survival mode Mm. I really had I'd had that ability to forward plan taken away from me so that was something that I needed to relearn and Mm -hmm. that really did take some time for me because I was so so blocked in that area of being able to envisage a different future for myself that um that I was just really held back by Mm. that. So that was something I had to work on. And I think that's if women understand, don't you don't have to expect that you're going to have it all together and you're going to know automatically exactly, you know, which course is going to take you to this career. And, Mm. you know, this is a career that you're going to love for the rest of your days. And it's Mm. exactly the right path. It's just about actually exploring and getting onto a path and trying something so don't be discouraged if the first thing isn't the long-term thing but it's I believe that nothing's wasted so it's about just starting to explore and you know see if it's investing in some time with study and learning something new that will take you somewhere if it doesn't take you to where you expected and you go off onto another tangent that's fine because you'll still be using those skills in Mm. the next thing that you're doing so um I think that getting in contact with um a lot of women end up on social security or welfare uh because of financial Mm. abuse and um and Centrelink uh will put you through job start and um, you'll, that can be quite confronting because you yes. may not feel job ready. So it's really important to communicate with whoever your job start person is mm. that you're not in a state of readiness, that you've got mental health issues, that you're still working on those things and yeah. explore what other options might be available to you. Even mm. if it is going into doing some voluntary work, that's another area yeah. where that's not wasted. And, and don't see yourself as a failure if you... Um, decide I'm not job ready right now but I could go and do some volunteering because that is going to 
heal you in ways you never will have expected mm. and it will give you back that sense of self-worth that you're struggling with exactly at that time where you come out of that relationship and you're shell-shocked and you're like how the heck am I going to start mm. piecing my life back together again so yeah. Um, don't feel a loss of dignity if you go and volunteer. There's, it is so enriching to volunteer. So that can be a really great starting place. It can introduce you to some ideas of what mm. you might like to do because you might enjoy doing that so much that you might want to go into doing some training or look for a position in that mm. area, a paid position. So, But also meeting other people in that absolutely. volunteering capacity or, yeah. or going back to education and you know, there are women that have said to me, you know, it took me two or three attempts to actually enrol at the TAFE. Yeah. You know, they knew knew that they could was the first step. But and one woman I, I remember really clearly recently said, you know, I knew I could enrol and it took me many months to make that decision because it's about getting back into the community, really. Um, and she did enrol, but then she didn't attend. Now she's enrolled and she is attending. You know, it's I'm I'm not trying to make it sound like it's a simple process at all. Everybody's different. Some women have gone into it and just excelled through the whole process and have claimed their lives back through that. Yeah. Um, for a lot of women, it's a huge struggle to actually even get there. And I think you're right, you know, talking about, you know, doing a bit of volunteer work or something like that rather than going into education or, or um, the workforce could be what you need to step back into the community yeah. um, because for a lot of women, they're being completely excluded from the community. So, you know, everybody's really different. Every circumstance is really different and it's about thinking about, well, what's best for me? What's step one, you know, let's achieve that and then go through. But I think, you know, having the supports to do that is really, really critical as well. I'm so glad that you mentioned that, Christine, because I think that's so important to connect to support. And when you have connected to support, then if you don't know what the steps are, mm. the support person will be able to suggest some possible steps forward for yeah. you. And the idea with support is always that you will ultimately still have the choice because it yes. really is about you becoming empowered again and getting to a place in your life where you know that you have choices. Mm. You, those choices have been taken away from you yes. or had been taken away from you, but you can actually reclaim that and get that yeah. back. So, um, so, and knowing what the options are, you know, for a lot of women that are, that you know they're not even in that thinking space of, oh yeah, I could do this or I could do that. If someone's there saying, look, these are the things that you can do, you can think about, you know, what suits you, how you want to move forward, and they do make the choice of that. So, and it might be something really simple that, you know, progressively advances to where they'd like to be, and for some women that will take a long time and for others, you know, it will be much shorter time. Again, as I said, it depends on the woman, depends on their circumstances as well. If they have young children, then that's a further um, thing that needs to be considered. You know, when they have free kindergarten, they can go to kindergarten. So all those things, you know, women need to look at, be able to look at that and make their decisions based on um, their own circumstances. Absolutely. And I love that you highlighted that a support person has objectivity. They'll see something, a bright future for you mm -hmm. where you can't see it because exactly. you're too close. You're, you're in the thick mm. of it. 
but in talking to a support person, they can see your potential. They can see where this could possibly lead for you. And mm. all of a sudden you've got these light bulbs going off yeah. and going, oh, right, okay, yeah, actually, I, you know, and it helps to, if somebody else sees that potential in you and affirms mm. that, then you start believing it, whereas before if it was just you telling yourself maybe I can do this and you gave that example Mm. of that person who you know enrolled in TAFE but then didn't show up and you know had to go through those painful steps to Mm -hmm. be able to actually get there to engage with the course that she'd enrolled in that is, you know, if you've got the right support person egging you on mm. and saying, I believe in you, I, I can yes. see you can do this, that is often, you know, weighs so heavily on us that we can always just that, that motivation that we need to go, yep, okay, someone else sees this, I can start believing it for myself mm. now. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's about rebuilding that confidence, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and they knowing that, you can trust yourself to make those decisions. Yeah. Because for a lot of women, they've never been in a position mm-hmm. in, in that family violence scenario to actually make a decision, um, you know, have no control over money or budgets or any of those things as well. Not in all cases, but, you know, we in know many. in a lot of cases <laughs> it is. Um, and money's often used as a weapon. So, you know, the trauma attached to that for a lot of women, it needs to be worked through for them to be able to get to the next step. Um, so, you know, I, I, I fully support, you know, the whole idea of, well, okay, you've gone through, you know, the process at the end of it. Now it's time to get back creating a life for yourself. How is that going to happen? You know, what supports need to be put in place for that to happen? I'm really glad that you touched on the financial side mm. of things and that it is often a problem mm-hmm. but it, for women who have been abused, but it's often a problem for women in general. Yes. Where there's, we're kind of going into this gender equality or inequality area at the moment where men will often still hold that position of power in a relationship where they will be the ones who will be controlling the financial Mm. purse strings and the woman will defer to the husband or the, the partner and allow them to manage their finances Mm -hmm. and they won't have any real understanding of what's going on financially in their relationship with that next layer on top of that of women often having many disruptions in their working lives Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they've gone into becoming mothers and I know that this area is changing but there's still a pretty significant Mm. imbalance there where women will end up having much less in superannuation you know but by the time they reach retirement because of these disruptions Mm -hmm. and then when it comes to say a dissolution of a marriage and you're going through that financial settlement there'll be these imbalances will become really (laughs) clear and evident that this is this is what's happened it's all Mm -hmm. good when everything's good in the relationship yeah yeah. But um, then in the cold light of day when uh, things go sideways in the relationship and you're mm. having to do a division in assets, suddenly you can you see that imbalance really clearly and women are often really shocked by it. But mm. Mm. Um, I would love to see more women um, being supported in learning more about financial literacy and financial management particularly Mm. I think going through the education system and into early adulthood Mm. so um so I'm now a money-minded coach so I can help people in that Mm. area of Mm. 
just basic financial literacy. So it's not yeah. that I, I'm not a financial advisor, I'm not a financial counsellor, mm -hmm. but at least I can help them to get some empowerment back in yes. knowing how they can make a difference with what's happening to them with what they've got right now, no matter how little that might be, in just ways that they can manage that to exactly. you know empower them as much as they possibly mm. can rather than thinking there's never enough I can't get ahead you know all of those things yeah. that can really be very challenging to navigate when you are living at a very basic level yes. um, but it is important to understand how money works and mm. what we can do to have those choices and see choices again when exactly. it comes to money because yeah money's a neutral thing mm. but when you've gone through financial um, abuse yes you're quite traumatized in that area and mm. that's an area that you need some support in and some help to oh heal. definitely and you know I've spoken to women that wouldn't even know how to open a bank account yeah you know so it's as basic as that and that, that they've never had control of their own bank account. I wouldn't even know how to go about doing it. Um, so, you know, there are certainly those issues, particularly, you know, when I first come out of that family violence situation, um, often their skills are very limited in financial um, side of things. But I think also, um, you know, the whole issue around superannuation and um, the equal pay and all those things, yeah, we're, you know, scraping slowly up the hill, but there's a long way to go yet. And, you know, I've spoken to a number of women who, you know, have remained in housing insecurity for a number of years, having, you know, gotten out of the family violence situation, um, got the supports they needed, eventually had some sort of um, lump sum payment um, through the settlement. But they've got that, but they still can't afford to buy a house. Um, and often they're in a situation where they're either living in, you know, not suitable accommodation or are spending all their lump sum it's slowly eroding because they're spending it on their accommodation. So, you know, there has to be some sort of support for women who do have that little bit of capital that, and the, the banks won't loan them the money. That's the other issue. Um, but, or they haven't got quite enough deposit. But, and this, they're in, you know, reasonably well paying jobs too. So there, there are a lot of issues around that. A lot of older women now um, experiencing homelessness and a lot of that stems from fa family violence going back, you know, some years. Yeah. So they've never been able to secure affordable accommodation from the time they, you know, left that um, family violence situation. So there are a lot of challenges that, you know, we need to be addressing. Um, but I think... I think we're we're on the right track. It's just it's going to take a very long time to start to meet some of the needs of, of many of those women. Well, I'm really grateful to you for taking that issue on board so seriously, yeah. Chris, because it is um it's not a nice place to be no. to be living, you know, day to day with housing insecurity mm -hmm. where you don't know you know how long you're going to have the current roof over your head yes. and then okay so I don't have that current roof over my head and then you, you have to do that mad scramble to try and find mm -hmm. an alternative it's it's not a pleasant way to live for the long term um, no. and so I'm really glad that yeah, you are trying to find some solutions yes. to that particular issue. I know that that is one of the, the big issues that's on mm. your heart and yes. your mind to advocate for changes in to mm. give women some more security, particularly going into their later years, yes. that they don't have those sorts of worries mm. you know, 
hanging over their heads on a daily basis. So That's right. And, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, what I'd like to see is, you know, when women are coming out of those support systems, having um, got out of that family violence situation, that they are going straight into secure housing. You know, that's what needs to happen. And, you know, some of that is happening, but it's not enough to meet the demand. Um, and from, you know, years gone by, women are still experiencing inappropriate housing because back, you know, some years ago they, they got out of that family violence situation but were never able to find secure accommodation. So they're the big challenges and, you know, I'm determined to do as much as we can um, as a government to, to make sure that we we are delivering that straight up. Yeah. And as I said, that's challenging, but that's the ultimate aim so that as soon as the woman is finished with the support services or the refuge or whatever they may be using, there is that secure long-term affordable housing that they can step straight into. That's amazing. And that and that will make a huge difference. Oh, absolutely. It makes an absolutely massive difference and it will automatically restore a woman's dignity yes. to be able to walk into that mm-hmm. secure housing. It's like, you know, great that that need is met. Now yes. I can focus on what yeah. I need to do to stand back up on my own two feet again mm. once that challenge is there you know it's like this weight gets lifted off your shoulders yep. and you're able to actually turn your mind to what might be possible in a positive light yes. for your life whereas the alternate scenario mm. is a really negative you know place to be because yes. of that insecurity and that insecurity then you know will travel on to the next area where you're looking at what might be possible and everything just feels so much more daunting yeah exactly i mean you know it's it's almost impossible to for homeless people or people living in insecure housing to enroll in education to get employment we know that so you know that secure housing is such a critical step in the whole process and you know it's it's one less thing that that woman has to deal with given all the traumas you know if they've got children and you know i mean we know we know what that means for so many women yeah yeah um i'm just a little bit emotional because it just takes me back to that time where it, I was in an absolute mad scramble being in insecure housing um, and having to navigate going, finding a private rental that would be suitable for yeah. myself and my children. I tell you, Christine, some of the mm-hmm. places that I looked at were not suitable at yeah. all for me to be living in with my young children. Mm-hmm. They just were not, they were barely yeah. habitable. And uh, and it was tough. It was a yeah. really tough time. Yeah. And it was a huge part of my mm-hmm. insecurity, knowing that, you know, I I needed to tick all the boxes all the time with my mm-hmm. landlord. I was always, you know, a fantastic tenant. Um, but that pressure that you feel of, well, mm. at the end of this 12-month lease, this, I might not be here anymore. Yeah. I, I may have to negotiate finding mm-hmm. another place to live again. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and that insecurity is a terrible thing to have to live with. It is. It you is. know, keeping that roof over your head. Yeah. You know, am I going to have to live out of my car if I've got a car? Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. yeah. And it often becomes that downward spiral, doesn't it? Yes. You know, like I, I know that I was one step away from homelessness every mm. time, every mm. time I had to negotiate another yep. move to another private rental. Mm. The alternative for the children and I, you know, when we couldn't be with family because it wasn't safe. Yes. Was to be homeless. So, yeah, yeah it's, 
I don't and for a lot of those families, you know, having to move around a lot um, because of that insecurity in the housing, the kids are changing schools, you know, they're losing their network of friends. There's all those factors that come into play as well. Yeah, yeah, there is. And, mm. you know, and the stress that the, the mother is under. Yes doesn't put her in the best position to Mm. be the relaxed it's okay guys we've got this Mm. you know when you've got that secure housing you can relax and you know then it's just a matter of getting on with life Mm. and giving your children stability and security but without that housing security you're playing a game it's a game of make-believe like it's all right Mm -hmm. guys we've got this but underneath the surface you know you've got this constant stress that you're living with yeah yeah and you know the worst scenario for me is where you know women are going back to the Mm. perpetrator because they don't have secure housing Absolutely. Um, and we need to be addressing those circumstances as well. Um, you know, they've made the decision to go, but, you know, and for a lot of women, it, the trauma associated with that, having to look after your kids, provide a roof over their head, sometimes the only um, solution that they can see is to go back to that family home and, again, face that family violence. Yeah, I can relate mm. to that because that that mm. was me. I um, it wasn't. It it was. I called it a revolving door relationship. Yeah, yeah where yeah. he he'd wear me down until mm. the point that I just didn't have the reserves anymore. Yeah. push his foot back in the door again, mm. and we'd go around in the same destructive yep. cycle. So mm. um, yeah, it's because they make you believe that they're your security as much yeah, as they right. you know like they undermine your mm-hmm. security um you know in such a destructive way but at the same time they position themselves as being your security and yeah it's a very messed up place to be and yeah. yes and I it's not that, uncommon it's not yeah. uncommon yeah you know and a lot of women then feel like you know i failed because i've gone back well no just keep doing what you're doing yeah, I think it takes it takes up to twelve times on average yeah, for women yeah. to leave an abusive relationship. Mm. So if you're listening to this and you've left a few times and you've gone back, don't beat yourself up about it yeah, because that's it's, right. it's quite normal that mm. women won't um, they won't break free from that abusive relationship the first time that they yeah. leave. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I think for us as, as government, it's important that we are putting every possible support in place to help prevent them from going back, you know. And it's very complex, as you would know. So, you know, just because someone's got a house doesn't mean they're not going to go back. There are other factors to play in that. It's not that simplistic. Yeah. but. All, all through the process, if we're providing every possible support for that woman to, um, you know, regain her life, have affordable, secure housing, um, ability to access education, health is another one, you know, then they're less likely to have to make that decision to go back. Yeah, and have the supports in place to yeah. help them to feel safe. Exactly. So, yeah, so they know that they've mm. got, uh, they know who to turn to yeah. to keep that person at a safe distance. Then, exactly. yeah, those, all of those things are just so crucial to start moving forward yeah. in another direction. Yeah. But to also have their children um, believe that it is not normal behaviour. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the other side of it all, yeah. that um, it is not normal behaviour and hurting somebody, um, controlling their lives is not normal. Yes, yeah. Mm. That's that's a big one because it is a big one, it is a big one because kids, you know, what they've seen mm-hmm. um, 
is normalized in in their mind mm. as well this is normal but um i know i had i had my own struggles with my children mm. uh to a point where they could clearly see that what was going on was absolutely not okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yes, it, it, it can be really, really challenging with mm. children to help them because you need to understand yourself what um, what your boundaries should be. Yes. And when you, the more clear you get on your boundaries, then the more clear you'll be able to make that for your children, that this is what, you know, good is, this is what healthy is. And I, I kind of, you know, when it comes to that term of domestic abuse or uh, family violence, many women won't even ever identify with themselves as being you know, in domestic abuse or, mm. you know, going through family violence because exactly. it can be lots of things that just don't even fall into that physical violence, you know, yeah, under that umbrella. Right. There's all these other things that can be mm. happening which they, they've normalised in their minds as being, oh, this is just, you know, yeah. part and parcel of my relationship. It's, mm. you know, and it it isn't okay but yeah. they've become accustomed to it. So they they don't even think, hmm, this is domestic abuse or this yeah, is family violence. So I sort of, I like to look at it and say, well, what is a healthy relationship? It, you know, is what you're experiencing at the moment, is that what would be going on if you your relationship was healthy? Yeah. And listen to your body, listen to what your body's telling you. Mm. So if you feel like you're walking on eggshells all the time with your partner, you know, if you don't feel confident in having a voice anymore in your relationship, you've got to pay attention to those things. And a great place to start is by calling an online counselling service, something yes. like 1-800-RESPECT, where you can talk to them about, you know, and say, am I going crazy, you know, mm. or is this something that I really need to be concerned about? Is this something that I should be getting some help with? Yeah. So you don't have to have all the answers, but speak to somebody who's got experience in this field. And 1-800-RESPECT have 24-hour counsellors available. It's free service. You can use that service any time of the day or night. Give them a call. Have a chat to them about what's going on mm. in your relationship they'll be able to tell you, no, this is not, this yeah. is not right. This is not mm. something that you should be experiencing. And then they'll be able to talk you through what some possible steps might be that you can take to get the support that you need mm. to mm. work through the challenges that you're facing. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, one of the other things as a government we've done is put the respectful behaviours um, into schools. And, you know, that that's about changing the culture. So for those little people who are seeing family violence in their home, they're learning now that that's not okay. And that's really important. And that's what changes the culture in our society over a period of time. We've got a long way to go yet, but, um, and we know that that's working. So, you know, I hate to say it, but we'll never solve all the issues around family violence, but changing the culture i mean to some degree it's already changed where generally the society finds it unacceptable whereas you know 20 years ago very different very different so so that thinking is starting to change and i think with you know little people learning that family violence is not okay and that's not normal behavior will over the next 10 years start to make a really significant difference Absolutely. I think it's absolutely mm. crucial to have that in the schools. I love that that yes. is being taught because these young people are going to grow up knowing mm. from the get-go what a healthy relationship looks like and exactly. the way that we should be treating each other. So mm. I think it's absolutely amazing that that has been introduced into the school curriculum. I would love to talk to you forever, <laughs> but I, you know, I'm so grateful for the time that we've had yeah. and the conversation that we've had. 
I always ask my guests with the title of this podcast being Tiara's Tears and Triumphs, what does that title mean to you as a woman, Chris? Oh, right. Oh. <laughs> I think it's all about women. And, you know, it's about empowering women and that we can stand up and do many, many things. Um, and I think, you know, women that we're focusing on today who have been in really traumatic experiences, scoping um, family violence, I think they need to have the, the I suppose, the supports and um, encouragement that, you know, you can get on with your life and have a, a great life. You know, it's been shocking, traumatic what you've experienced, but take take control. Take your life back and be able to move on. And it it's never a simple journey, as you know, but to have the supports in place so that you can go on that journey, yep, there'll be dramas, there'll be challenges, but knowing that you've got that support behind you can make all the difference. So, you know, I, it's fantastic talking to you. Like, I love what you're doing. Um, I think it's so important and getting that message out to women that there are all these things happening, you know, p get the support that you, you need um, and start your life journey now, really. Fantastic. That's great. Thank you so much. Thank you know, you. the reason that I was so keen to have you on as a special guest is that I know that you've got a great deal of empathy and compassion for women who have been impacted by abusive relationships. Yeah. And that is one of your key focus areas in your roles as a representative in Parliament. I just want to thank you so much, Christine, for the great work that you are doing as a leader, as a woman, um, as a person of influence. You're setting such a great example for women everywhere that women can hold positions of power, mm -hmm. that they can be people of great influence for yes. good and that they can stand for the resolution of important issues on gender equality and respect so thank you so much for taking the time to be a special guest on tiara's tears and triumphs uh, thank you for the invitation and i think you know women sitting around the table is what makes change yeah. positive change and you know it, we're very lucky in this government to have that strong commitment 50% women, you know, it does make a huge difference. So thank you so much for allowing me to come on today and um, hopefully we'll continue these conversations. I'd love that. Thank you. Thank you. We all go through dark times. When we do, we often feel alone. This is a safe space for you to come and look for some light. I'm a survivor of an abusive relationship and for a long time I had no voice because I was too scared to speak up and speak out about what was happening to me. I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel but when I turned a corner in my life the light started filtering through and I left my old life behind. I am here now to help other women feel seen, heard and valued. I'm reaching out with my light shining on you to help you find your way out of the darkness. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A note of encouragement, if you are struggling with your mental health, please reach out for support with some form of counselling. If you don't know where to start to find a counsellor, a good place to start is to talk with your doctor. There are also many online counselling supports available. And a word of advice, if the counsellor is not a good fit for you, try another. And if you need to, try another until you have one that is the right fit for you.
Tune in again for the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, helping women who have been hurt to heal and grow. Hosted by me, Sandy J. This program provides a safe place to work on inner peace and a strong mindset, spells out how to spot the red flags, advises on ways to stay safe and work on effective safety planning, gives tips on how to look after you when things are tough, teaches empowerment strategies, acknowledges life's challenges and explores ways to meet these challenges head on, to go from surviving to rising to striving and finally to thriving. The show includes interviews with other survivors who have come out the other side, who share their stories and insights, as well as interviews with therapists and people working in support roles. I am a survivor and I use my experience and skills to help other women like me. Please listen and be uplifted to rise in this safe space where dignity, kindness and compassion are treasured. And don't forget, if you need some support, I am here for you. I don't want any woman to suffer alone in silence. I don't want any woman to feel oppressed and feel that there is no way out. I want you to know that you can turn a corner. I am a life change facilitator. I help women regain control over their lives. You can find me at sandyj.com.au. Hey now, can you just pause a moment before you go? Because I need you to share your light and leave a review. Can you just take a quick minute to leave a review in iTunes to let other women know this is a show they can trust? It would mean the world to me if you could help shine a light for someone who can't see the light at the end of their tunnel. I need you to do this for someone else who needs some support and encouragement. If you like this show, please subscribe and you will automatically be updated with future episodes when they are released. And please share this podcast with anyone you know who it might help. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Sending you lots of love and light and above all else, wishing you well. You are brilliant. Keep shining. Stay safe, Sandy.